Today on Truths That Transform. We didn't start the culture war, but by the grace of God, dear friends, we are going to win it. The ideas of the awakening, as historians say, laid the foundations for what became the revolution. Welcome to Truths That Transform, a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. I'm Rob Pacienza, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries and pastor of Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church, founded by Dr. Kennedy. The secular left in America tells us we must keep religion out of politics, and then they make everything in our lives political. The goal is to shrink the influence of Christianity down to nothing, since the precepts of Christianity are obstacles to their agenda. Did you know that, far from being a secular nation, America was actually born from a Christian revival? Our ministry outreach, Providence Forum, produces a Foundation of American Liberty documentary series. From that series, here is a look at the road to independence. One of the most significant things that happened in American history happened in the 1730s and 40s, and it's called the First Great Awakening. The colonies were Christian, but they were all segmented into different 13 different colonies. They weren't really united until George Whitfield came from Great Britain. The Great Awakening was a spiritual movement with political consequences. It reached its zenith with George Whitfield, but this powerful series of religious revivals all began with a humble Calvinist minister named Jonathan Edwards. He's well known in history books as the man who had the sermon, uh, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. So it's, it's in many textbooks. But it wasn't just the sermon, it was his life and his preaching helped bring about what's called the First Great Awakening in America that led to the salvation of up to half of the South and one-third of the North. Although Jonathan Edwards is respected today for his theological and philosophical genius, he was not always appreciated in his own lifetime. He was fired by his own church. As he sat home on a Saturday, he would hear a knock at the door. And one of the elders, one of the church leaders that had actually been involved in his dismissal would say, we don't have anyone to fill the pulpit. Would you come back and preach again? And instead of having a spirit of animosity, he humbly and graciously consented. And even after being terminated, he continued to fill the pulpit a week at a time because that's what God had called him to do. But all that was to take place in 1750. Meanwhile, in the mid-1730s, under Jonathan Edwards' preaching, in a series of sermons on the doctrine of justification by faith alone, revival broke out. In the spring and summer following Anno 1735, the town seemed to be full of the presence of God. It never was so full of love nor of joy, and yet 
so full of distress as it was then, Jonathan Edwards. The distress refers to agonizing over sin, leading to repentance. One such person who repented and was transformed was a woman with a notorious reputation. The other people in the town said, well, if she can be saved, maybe there's some truth to the claims of Christ. And that was what helped spawn the Great Awakening. Out of a total population of 300,000 in New England from 1740 to 1742, 25,000 to 50,000 people joined the churches. This religious movement, noted author Robert Flood, changed the entire moral tone of New England for the better. And as it turns out, the Great Awakening was just getting started. The most famous preacher of the Great Awakening was George Whitfield, who was born in England in 1714. Like Edwards, Whitfield was also a committed Calvinist, but he had a close association with two famous non-Calvinists at Oxford University, his friends John and Charles Wesley, the founders of the Methodist Church. George Whitfield preached tirelessly throughout America, and he received help from an unexpected source, Ben Franklin, who was not always known for piety. Possibly Franklin liked him because Whitfield turned off the church leadership, yet appealed to the common man. Franklin, maybe the least expected of the group, was the one who had watched the career of George Whitfield, the evangelist who came here to America and who preached like a maniac for three decades up and down the 13 colonies, so much so that literally 80% of everyone alive in the 13 colonies had heard him preach at least one time. So you have Franklin watching this phenomenon from when Whitfield got off the boat in Philadelphia in 1738, and he printed Whitfield's sermons in the, the Pennsylvania Gazette, which was his paper. He was someone who saw that whenever religion breaks out, whenever revival breaks out, whenever people get God, get Jesus, whatever it was, whatever you call it, Franklin saw that crime went down, self-government went up. In other words, it was a natural phenomenon that they had seen at other times, but it was particularly vivid during the First Great Awakening with Whitfield preaching uh, all up and down the colonies. Would you have peace with God? Away then to God through Jesus Christ, who has purchased peace. The Lord Jesus has shed his heart's blood for this. He died for this. He rose again for this. He ascended into the highest heaven and is now interceding at the right hand of God. George Whitfield. As many as three out of four American colonists may have been touched by the Great Awakening with incredible impact. The wife of Jonathan Edwards noted, It is wonderful to see what a spell he casts over an audience by proclaiming the simplest truths of the Bible. Our mechanics shut up their shops and the day laborers throw down their tools to go and hear him preach, and few return unaffected. Sarah Edwards George Whitfield preached in virtually every colony of America, often in open-air settings, since some of the official churches would not accept him. 
His message was consistent on the need to find personal salvation through faith in the Lord regardless of denominational affiliation. Father Abraham, whom have you in heaven? Any Episcopalians? No. Any Presbyterians? No. Any Independents or Methodists? No, no, no. Whom have you there? We don't know those names here. All who are here are Christians. Oh, is this the case? Then God help us to forget your party names and to become Christians in deed and truth. George Whitfield. On occasion, people would ask George Whitfield why he would preach so often that you must be born again. He would reply, because you must. In his autobiography, Ben Franklin describes how he was determined, no matter how persuasive Whitfield might be in raising money for an orphanage in Savannah, Georgia, that Franklin would only give a little bit for this cause. Franklin describes what happened. I happened soon after to attend one of his sermons, in the course of which I perceived he intended to finish with a collection, and I silently resolved he should get nothing from me. I had in my pocket a handful of copper money, three or four silver dollars, and five Spanish coins in gold. As he proceeded, I began to soften, and concluded to give the coppers. Another stroke of his oratory made me ashamed of that, and determined me to give the silver. And he finished so admirably that I emptied my pocket wholly into the collector's dish, gold and all. Ben Franklin. I love George Whitfield. He's one of my heroes, one of the greatest preachers of Christian history ever. And obviously he was the voice, because in modern terms, he was America's celebrity. From the South right up to New England, he was known because everyone had seen him. And you can think of the way Ben Franklin so admired him and so on. So he was a celebrity. But more importantly, the ideas of the awakening, as historians say, laid the foundations for what became the revolution. The awakening was the sowing the seeds for what became the freedom of the revolution. So I'm a great admirer of Whitfield, and Americans should appreciate his immense contribution. It was wonderful to see the change soon made in the manners of our inhabitants. From being thoughtless or indifferent about religion, it seemed as if all the world were growing religious, so that one could not walk through the town in an evening without hearing psalms sung in different families of every street. Ben Franklin. From the Kennedy Collection Library, we'd like you to have A Nation Worth Fighting For by Dr. D. James Kennedy. Is this nation worth fighting for? Is it worth my dying for? We'll send you this gift-size hardcover book at no cost or obligation to you. Just call or write to us today asking for the book A Nation Worth Fighting For to get this valuable and inspiring resource for yourself. As you just saw, Christianity so united the colonies that even Ben Franklin, one of the least religious of our founding fathers, 
was captivated by the preaching of the Great Awakening and inspired by the transformation it brought about in the people. That move of God laid the groundwork for the uniting of the colonies and American independence. Christ has always been central to the life of America, and when Christ is forgotten or excluded, things begin to unravel quickly. That's why we need Jesus at the center of our national life. Dr. D. James Kennedy shares more in his message, America is waking up. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. I trust that all of us are familiar with those famous words that open Charles Dickens' great novel, A Tale of Two Cities, which was set in Paris in 1789, just at the beginning of the French Revolution. It was a time of great turmoil in that country. By the way, over here, George Washington was taking his seat as President of the United States. It seemed to me that those words describe our situation quite well. The best of times and the worst of times. Now there is no doubt that there are many, many things in this country that are very grievous. There are many ills, many, many immoralities and ungodlinesses that abound. We hear about them all of the time. We see them declared on the media and often celebrated on the media. And yet we don't hear much about spiritual good things, do we? But I think it's important to see what God is doing and to see what is the good that is taking place, that we might be encouraged and strengthened to go forth in our service for Christ in this country. There is no doubt that wickedness is getting more wicked and evil is getting more evil and more blatant and more widespread. Of that there can be no doubt. But what you never hear on television is the fact that godliness is growing as well, that Christians are on the march, and that they are beginning to make their presence felt in ever more and more effective ways. That you don't see, that you don't hear, but it is happening nevertheless. If we look back over the last several centuries, America, which was undoubtedly, indubitably, founded as a Christian nation, as the Supreme Court and the founders said, this is a religious people, this is a Christian nation, said the Supreme Court. Well, that's the way it started. The people in New England, when they got together in the early days of this country, signed the New England Confession in which they said, we all came into these parts of America for one and the same end and aim. Do you remember what that was? Now, this is, was not just the Pilgrims or the Puritans, but all of the colonies of New England. They said that one single aim was to advance the kingdom 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sure that many people would be just shocked to hear that, and yet that's where we started. Unfortunately, and I have to lay a great deal of the blame upon the church, because the church has failed to fulfill its mandate of the Great Commission to share the gospel. There has been a growing number of people who have not known Christ, who know nothing about his kingdom, have never entered therein, and wouldn't even know how. And consequently, the number of unbelievers in this country has grown tremendously. I did see, however, just recently an article in the U.S. News and World Report, and there was a cover article which said, the new evangelicals. An evangelical is a person who believes the evangel, and the evangel from the Greek is simply a person who believes the gospel of Christ. And it talked about how they're growing remarkably. And one of the big headlines in the article was said, saying that the new evangelicals are everywhere. Everywhere you look, you see them now. More and more, we see that Christians are taking their proper place in every sphere of our lives that we find around us. You may recall that one of the most important founders of this country was John Jay. And he said that God in his providence has given to us a Christian nation. And it behooves us as Christians to desire and to elect Christians to rule over us. Now, who was this? Who was John Jay? Was he some sort of an extremist? He was the first Chief Justice of the first Supreme Court appointed by the first President of the United States, George Washington. Furthermore, John Jay, along with Madison and Hamilton, was one of the authors of the Federalist Papers, which explained the Constitution to the states, without which probably it wouldn't have been endorsed by them. John Jay was one of the most important of the founders. You never hear much about him because he was a dedicated Christian man. The evangelicals are coming, and they are everywhere, and they're going to be even more visible in the years to come. But dear friends, Christians are waking up. Thank God at long last. Yes, they talk about the culture wars. And I have no doubt that as metaphors go, that is a fairly accurate one. This is not a shooting war, but it is certainly a spiritual warfare that is going on. But what you don't hear often is who started it. Remember, America started as a Christian nation. As late as 1776, 98% of the people in America professed themselves to be Protestant Christians, 98. 1.8% presented themselves to be Roman Catholic Christians. 
two-tenths of one percent said they were Jewish, and nothing else even appeared on the radar. So this was overwhelmingly a Christian nation, and the secularists, the atheists, the agnostic, the humanists, the evolutionists, all of the anti-God bunch have, especially in the last 40 or 50 years, been attacking this Christian country. They have been endeavoring to undermine the foundations, to absolutely blot out their presence in the public square, and to make them thoroughly second or third class citizens. And if they don't obey, to have them thrown into jail. Well, dear friends, my message to them is, you better wake up because the Christians are coming. We didn't start the culture war, but by the grace of God, with the love and gospel of Jesus Christ, through the transformation of thousands and millions of hearts and lives in this country, dear friends, we are going to win it. Hello, I'm Jennifer Kennedy Cassidy. My dad often received a lot of criticism for saying what you just heard him say that America was overwhelmingly a Christian nation. And the reason that statement is controversial is that the true history has been hidden, revised, and lied about. It's no wonder we have a culture war in America when the left decides that it wants to erase our history and institutions and start from a secular foundation, which is no foundation at all. It's never been more important in the midst of this culture war for you to be armed with the truth. You'll find it in compelling and readable form in our book, 10 Truths About America's Christian Heritage, which we'd like to send you as our thanks for your generous donation to help this ministry stand for truth and defend your freedom. These are just some of the truths about our history that have been hidden from you. Our republic rests upon one book, the Bible. Every state constitution acknowledges God, all 50 of them, America's schools were formed to advance the Christian faith. Even the courts have declared that America is a Christian nation. These are among the 10 truths about America's Christian heritage contained in this concise, readable book. And if you're able to give a generous donation of $50 or more, we'll send you the book plus the brand new DVD documentary, The Road to Independence, produced by Dr. Jerry Newcomb and our Providence Forum Outreach. We took Providence Forum under our ministry umbrella because their mission is to preserve, defend, and advance the Judeo-Christian values of our nation's founding. You could hardly find a better way of summing up my dad's own passion for our Christian history. Under Jerry Newcomb's guidance, Providence Forum has produced the new documentary, The Road to Independence, as part of its Foundation of American Liberty series. You saw a short portion of that film earlier in this program. And on the full DVD version, you will discover how Christian pastors played a decisive role in the American struggle for independence from England. Much of this history has been scrubbed from the classrooms of our nation. America's war for independence was not simply a tax revolt, as so many revisionist histories portray it. Christianity and the colonial churches played a decisive role. Find out why in The Road to Independence, 
which features commentary from Oz Guinness, Eric Metaxas, Dennis Prager, the late Dr. Walter Williams, David Gibbs III, and many more. That's the book, 10 Truths About America's Christian Heritage, as our special thanks for your generous donation. And the book, plus the one-hour DVD documentary, The Road to Independence from Providence Forum, as our thanks for your generous ministry gift of $50 or more. You'll want to share these resources with your children and grandchildren, especially if they have learned history from our public schools. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11154, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free, 877-962-7677. Or go online to djkm.org. America was birthed by a religious revival, the Great Awakening, that brought about a political transformation. It began with the spiritual and proceeded to the political. So what does this mean for you today? I want to ask you one question. Are you free? As the Bible says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. And it is free souls that lead to a free nation. Many in America today think they are free because they can behave sexually however they wish or choose their own gender identity or carouse in a haze of drugs and alcohol or hoard their money. But those things are not freedom. In fact, they are slavery. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. What about you? Are you entangled by your sin and dragged down by it? I am here to tell you that you can be freed, freed from sin, freed from addiction, freed from degradation, freed from self-loathing, and freed from self-exaltation. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the cross so that you can be free. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ and turn your back on your sins, you are forgiven and cleansed and freed. The Bible said, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Just as in America, freedom did not come until the good news of Jesus broke through, so in your own life will there be no real freedom until the good news of Jesus breaks through. You really can give up sin and slavery and death and instead have righteousness and freedom in life. If you have never turned your life over to Jesus, I want to invite you to pray with me from your heart right now. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm not free. I'm tangled up in sin and bad thinking and wanting the wrong things. But I believe that you came to earth because you love me. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you defeated even death itself by being raised from the dead. I want to turn away from my sins and accept the free gift of eternal life with you that you are offering me. In your name I pray this prayer. Amen. If you sincerely prayed that prayer for the first time, we have a vital resource we would like to send you at no cost or obligation to you. It's beginning again. Dr. Kennedy's book for new believers to guide you in your relationship with Christ. Contact us to receive a copy today and may God bless you as you do. 
D. James Kennedy Ministries is standing for truth and defending your freedom. I'm Pastor Rob Pacienza. Thank you for being with us. And here's a look at the next Truths That Transform. One of the most fascinating pieces of American history is how much reconciliation and attempt our founders uh, attempted before we actually signed the Declaration of Independence. That's next week. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.